0: Detroit is different is where you get information artistry history music and even comedy Detroit is different a home for the culture of Detroit visit online at Detroit is today all right welcome back to the Detroit is different podcast and uh Today, we're keeping things rolling with something unique, uh, something that a deep brother, somebody that's very creative, but he also loves to laugh as we have kind of like a kindred spirit through not just poetry and spoken word, but also some of the interesting comedians that I love to uh, engage with. Uh, Shout out my brother Josh Adams. that Actually, as we speak right now, should be on stage at the Music Hall. Uh, Big, big concert promotion for him, but... uh, that's we talking right, about uh we're talking about men, mental health, uh events, what a healing circle looks like. And this is this is definitely dynamic. So Prostel Thomas, Mr. Thomas, how you feeling?
1: Peace, brother. How you doing, man? Glad Everything's
0: cool, man. Everything's cool. And yes. you're also one of the biggest supporters of Detroit is different. Like you'll comment and like when we did our state of black Detroit, like you were going on stuff. I was like, hey, Yusef, this is a comment from
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 for me. You know, Detroit, sometimes we take ourselves for granted because mm-hmm. we're so relatively small compared to other cities. But we have so mm-hmm. many impactful people on this platform. It's, it allows me to, like, stay in tune with what's happening with the city because I That's had see. I... when see – when I was scrolling, I saw Yusuf face, and I ain't seen Yusuf. That's my brother. I ain't seen him in a while, mm. and I know he's active, and I know he's always moving, so, like, being able to tap in. And then when I saw that interview, then I saw the interview with Maliki Keeney. I'm like, oh, snap. It's two Malik interviews that I know of. I just found two so far. But it's like being able to really be in tune with, because, you know, we, we, we it's a small community, but we have, it's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. And, and yes. if we only looked at the new, if we only looked at the mainstream media to see what was going on in Detroit, man, we, we'd, be, we'd be lost for real. So...
0: Yep. And, just, and I'm glad you're familiar with it because this style just kind of gives more context to it. As uh, you walking out, you met one of our podcasters here, and Jennifer Crawford. She has a story and we have other stories like, you know, I think news and media is for what it is. I, I have some experience in that world, but this is yeah. really to give a context for more of the story of how you got to where you go. Because that's usually what I always think, hence what really connected me to podcasting in the beginning. It was just like yeah, I like this 48 Laws of Power, but what made him write this? And yeah. then you listen to a podcast, and it's not like I like the book less or like it more. It just it just puts things in a frame of, like, why would you study all of this? Like, well, yeah. you know, Guns, Germs, and Steel. What what made you want to make a, a PhD on this? Yeah. So uh, that goes to your Detroit story. Your Detroit story, your family. What brought your family to the city of Detroit? <laughs> um, Wow, so that's... I don't know if I've ever been asked
1: that question before. So my uh city of Detroit, my, my grandfather, uh Raymond M. Murphy, who uh who passed away uh during the pandemic, he was a he was a state senator uh hmm. for a long time. Hmm. Um and he was the first person in well out of that side of the family that came to Detroit.
0: Where 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 the roots? Where they He was from
1: St. Louis, so he, he left St. Louis. Of,
0: you are from the show Me State. Your people nah, nah, they, they I got mean, roots there. My I got cousins. From you got Louis. family from St. Louis. I got cousins,
1: I got homeboys in St. Louis that's like cousins to me. I love St. Louis. Mm-hmm. St. Louis I've considered like a sister city to Detroit. They real, you know, they live up there too. You better okay, you know now,
0: what I'm saying. Now, let me say something for, for black people that have never been to St. Louis. <laughs> okay, New Orleans got its own feel. Yeah, Chicago for sure got to feel. We know Detroit. Detroit is different. Obviously, Saint Louis is a you got to go there. You, you got to experience. It's different. It's definitely. It's different. really. It's like. What is going on? Like, St. Louis is one of the few cities where you'll see someone in a tailored suit. Like, you can sort of see this in Detroit, but no, not like... You'll see somebody in a tailored suit and gaiters on, then somebody, like, in a tuxedo, then somebody... uh Then, then like, a, a, a black Catholic uh priest, and then, like, somebody, like, in, in, in like, a tank top. It, it's just, like, uh... <laughs> You know, when, when people first saw that Nelly video, um, what's that yeah. country grammar with like the colors and the, I'm like, yo, that's, yeah that, that's, that's, that's St. Louis for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. they, they some, they're some of the most interesting and uh, just lively, just different. Like you said, they're, you know, Detroit is different, but folks from St. Louis, I can see why we cousins. I can see why we cousins. So, yes. I love St. Louis, but that's where my grandfather, he, uh, he mm. came here as a, as a teen. He, um, interested in my, his, my grandmother was a, a orphan she came here hmm. with her aunt and uncle and they really just you know how detroit is man detroit 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 will bring you in and if the city accepts you 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 Detroiter. so my grandfather lived here he worked in the plant um my grandmother she she was where i get my activist um uh, dna from because she she came up in the church she came up in sacred heart church but she was always doing things with saint vincent de paul feeding the homeless you know, I would—she was the person I would go ride in the car with where we're going to go pick up these clothes from this church, and we're going to take them over here to this other church. We're going to stop and look through them, see if this stuff fits you first. Mm-hmm. But we gonna, we're going to go do work to help other people outside of our family.
0: Now, now, now you, you, you said something that's unique. So your grandfather was here as a state senator but started— in the plant. So he started with I'm guessing union roots. He's, Th-
1: yeah, I mean he was with the young the young democrats. He was uh mm-hmm. we would see a lot of the uh you know the old school Detroit politics. We and saw Coleman And I was going to say
0: that's exactly where yeah. I was about to go because Coleman Young's roots took him through the state house and then brought him over to be mayor. Yeah. And it was a collection of this uh like I want to say organizational black leadership like you know honing themselves and it and it would be like like, from the stories I hear, it would be almost like a, a, a intellectual dojo of these yeah. men and some women, like Irma Henderson, just going back and forth. But especially, like, with those union backgrounds of, no, this is how we're going to organize. No, that's how we're going to organize. Just that back and forth. Yeah. So your grandfather was kind of in this mix.
1: Yeah, my grandfather. Yeah, my grandfather. We, You know, we saw all of them. John Conyers, all of them. They were, You know, we'd see them at the house, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was... Again, I always, when I think of Detroit, I think of it, it was intimate, right? It was intimate. I got to see these legendary men in the city, but it wasn't unusual because in mm-hmm. Detroit, you know, you think of the great Detroiters. They, they, what are they? They're they accessible to the people. Mm-hmm. You can touch them. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, so I grew up in a house. It's interesting because my grandfather was a politician, but again, my activist roots came from my grandmother. My grandmother was. Going doing the homeless events, mm-hmm. working with the church. You know, she was the one getting a call at three o'clock in the morning. And no disrespect to my grandfather, he was great at what he did. But my grandmother was the one that I saw actually actively. We got to do something about this. Mm-hmm. And you know, that was that's that attracted me to her. That attracted me to the. Uh, even though I left the church a long time, ago, the church I grew up in, uh, you know, Sacred Heart. Catholic Church over there on 75 and Mac mm. behind the McDonald's. It's uh and,
0: and that work uh definitely yeah. connects you to many other families. As I know the Talaferro family, Choque. I mean, that that though a Catholic church has held so many like African-centered um Black events where you see the this 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 you you know what I'm saying like you'll see like you're like well, yeah. is this it, like for real at the at the camp we, we, at had, we
1: had we had a I remember when I was when I first started coming into uh, consciousness and you know that's another thing we got into Detroit we have a lot of you know uh, awakened and intentional mindset so people were talking to me about the church while I was still in the church. And that church—it's a Catholic church, which you know, <laughs> definitely yeah. has its history. But we had we had Black Jesus inside the church, inside this Catholic church during this. This is during the '80s and the '90s, which is not, in itself, you know, gonna keep me there. But it was enough to let me know I was growing up in a different environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Detroit, being, uh, in Detroit, where it was, it was right. We were right across from the Brewsters. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. we was right around the corner from the King home. So there was. There was Detroit immersed itself in that space and changed the changed the nature of uh, I believe the building. Mm-hmm. But I so I that's where I, I grew up um there. Uh moved moved a because my pops was uh in the Air Force. He's he's from Ohio. My pops was an Ohio guy.
0: Where um, whereabouts in Ohio?
1: So he grew up in Youngstown, Ohio.
0: For real, Youngstown is another one of those gritty cities. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's sure. like a, a, a sure. gritty, you know, like, you know, when I throw cities close, like I, I tell people in Chicago, I'm like, okay, Flint is like... You, you know, the Flint of Chicago is Gary, Indiana. Yeah. Or possibly East St. Louis. Youngstown, mm. Ohio, I don't even necessarily have a frame of reference of, of a Michigan Let's perspective see. because it's a very gritty, hard-nosed yeah. city.
1: Well, you know, even even when I... So, at some point in my story, I ended up in the uh, United Nations Islam, and I was around a lot of the elder brothers who came up in the first with the messenger, and... Youngstown was a city that the temple in Youngstown had a reputation that if, you know, something needed to happen, what we, we gonna call the brothers from Youngstown. And mm-hmm. as you know, my pops is uh, obviously my pops, so I, you know, I respect him for, mm-hmm. as that. But you know, it's, it's definitely some, it was a small town, but you know, it's, a, it's that the passage, you don't want to. You want to some of these small towns. You want to go in and create no trouble. Say so, you know what I'm saying. I was gonna definitely and, say yeah. Like if, if talk you, about your friendly if trade, you from Detroit if you want uh, to. If
0: you are, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as they say, sometimes like California has a lot of towns like that. A lot of a lot of towns, as they say, people that uh, needed to exit another city fast. Yeah, that's one of those cities that if you thinking that okay, I got out of that town because maybe that water's got a little hot. I'm gonna go over here and, yeah, nice. and do what I did there. That's a city you just want to keep. Nah, you, you just want to keep driving. Show respect, cause they don't want to keep driving.
1: <laughs> show respect, cause they don't play. They don't you know, play. You know the, what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, so but my, uh, so I, I came. I I ended up back in Detroit as I was beginning high school. I ended hmm. up uh, actually my junior year. I ended up uh, at Detroit Northern High School.
0: Ah, you went to Northern, the yeah, North End. Should have been a Jayhawk. That's and right now, it, right now it's it's. No longer, but uh, Northern, has a, Northern has a Northern has a heck of a you know what I'm saying that that was you know the Motown legends and I mean yeah. for me it's Derek Coleman as a legend Derek, come on now <laughs> Derek Coleman Lynn Lynn Bush a mm-hmm. uh, matter of fact so this is this is a little
1: anecdote Chauncey I just found this out so the Michigan Mister Michigan in football and basketball same young man he goes to King mm-hmm. his daddy played ball in Northern that's why when, when I heard the name I was like is that Chauncey son <laughs> That's Chauncey's song like, again. Yeah, so Detroit's
0: small, man. Detroit is real small, man. So, so that that neighborhood and the North End has a different. Like right now, we're we're looking at some of the works Bryce is doing over there. Yeah. I'm looking at uh just the the. The legacy that uh, the godmother of, of the North End, rest in peace, Dolores Bennett. That was like one obviously, of my big obviously, homies. Obviously, you know, obviously, and she, yeah. one of my biggest supporters early on. Where I, I, I definitely, I mean, I'm still figuring stuff out, but I really didn't have much figured out. And she'd be <laughs> like, "Come up here and talk to these kids." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So what, what was because the North End is it's it's a it's an interesting feel over there. It's it's it's
1: different, and it's um you know it's because a lot of times Detroit we got this East Side West Side right yeah. And me, I was always like, well, I'm not yeah, really to Yeah, I was going to say, that's one. where the North, North End, end We're there... not really. no nah. Somebody on the east side about with the North End on the west side. I'm like, no, we ain't. And somebody on the east side be like, you know what I'm saying? What, Westsiders but we...
0: think it's the east side, of east yeah. side and eastsiders think like, nah, it's the that's, west side. That's not, it's that's not what this is. Like... That's
1: not what this is. But it's, it's it's beautiful. It's, um, again, like so much Detroit, it's a, it's a humble place, right? There's a lot of beautiful architecture. There's a lot of beautiful homes that have been in families for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was not always a place of wealth, though. Even mm-hmm. even going to Northern High School, you know, it was uh, it was you know it was a DPS high school in the '90s, so it was you know it was, it was tough, but I know me coming there in my junior year, you know, as somebody who was moving back and forth, I was I was welcomed and I was taken care of at that school. Hmm. You know, what I'm saying by the people at the school. I still have, you know, great relationships with people at at the school. I only went to that school two years, but it's still a very huge part of my community, mm. my psyche, my perspective as I move forward into the world. I'm always, you know. Uh, I went to North. I went to North. That's my school right there. Every time we go into G Smooth, in fact, we're going to G Smooth tonight. I'll be right around the corner. That's also mm. a Northern graduate. Well, I'll be right around the corner. From I never North. knew That's my... G Smooth went to uh, yeah G Smooth <laughs> Motor City Freeway. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot. It's a lot of it's a lot of uh, young Northern old legends. A lot of okay,
0: old, I, I didn't know the Jayhawks was uh, was that prevalent even in oh, the yeah. I guess the poetry community of I mean, district. You know,
1: we do a little something. We do mm-hmm. a little something. But um, shout out shout out the Freeway. But I so I uh, graduated Northern. Um. <laughs> I graduated Northern High School. I did a year at U of D. Um, I quickly figured out, because I, I left high school thinking, what, what what, what can I do that will have the most impact? Hmm. What can I do that will... Can, like, I knew I could go to school. I was a smart kid. I could go to school and be a doctor or an engineer or something. But what could I do that would have the most impact in my community? Because, you know, we growing up in 90s, it's clear something's got to change. Something's saying, like, this, where we grew up wasn't right. Like, the schools, I love my school, but it's bad... And, like, we didn't figure out this year that the schools weren't doing what they supposed to do. We knew this when we were going to them. Um, so I came out trying to figure out what I could do that had the most impact. I wanted to go in education, but I, <laughs> I um, started studying uh, religion hmm. because I was recognizing that the church, although the work I was doing I was in love with, uh, the theology wasn't necessarily aligning with, with my values. So I was started to explore that. I ended up developing a, a relationship with the United Nation of Islam, which is a, mm. a offshoot of the Nation of Islam that at the time was headquartered out of Kansas City, Kansas. And um, you know, it was it was I spent ten years there. I actually wrote okay. a book
0: about it. Now, how 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 did you connect at such a young age? And then let me say this too about that same yeah. corridor is. Uh, Piper always says this, too. You know, P. Groove's dad used to, you know, P. Groove's dad. <laughs> it, so also in that same corridor, because like, I don't know what it is. It's just like almost like I get a little bit past the turkey grill and I get a little bit further up. Yeah. And I think it's almost like a like a like a vessel that connects that to Highland Park, which I, I yeah. consider the the Detroit's Harlem. But mm. at one point mm. in time, it was a place that was big in that space. And it's Arknar, tune.
1: Yes, sir. I, I was not expected to come here. Too. Absolutely. That was, that was, man, Yeah, you that got me emotional because that, that was, a, that was one of the first spaces that connected me to eating healthy. Like just, just a conscious decision of, you no, know, you walk in there and, and my, uh, I, don't, I don't, my first father-in-law introduced me to the same, same man, same man who introduced me to the UNOI and you know, he was somebody who had one of them diets. He we couldn't he we couldn't eat everywhere. So when we was together, we was you know we was hustling, and he wanted to stop and get something to eat. Well, we pull up over this at this this building, and I'm looking like you know it's a bunch of old ladies in there cooking, and I'm looking mm-hmm. at the food like this ain't this ain't it, this ain't it, what they serve it up the street, it, 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 and it was all delicious and it was it all, was
0: amazing to yeah. the point where like I I, I tell Piper because through P Group I'm like, can you please, for the life of me, if 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 i can get that dressing. Listen, man.
1: <laughs> listen man, it was it was it was because you know when you first learn about eating healthy, it most of it's nasty. I remember the the, the real first time was my grandma was trying to eat healthy, so she bought some tofu. Mm-hmm. And it was so nasty. I was like so so the I'm I'm glad that I went in there and tasted the food before i realized like this is actually healthy food. This is this is food that's not going to kill you.
0: Yeah, And, you know, but that also that space, it was, it was a, such an so e- experience. Like you would, you would walk in for me, I'm getting some healthier options of soul food cause they met me where I was at, yeah. but then it'd be a person in the back selling Farrakhan lectures or, yes. or, or Jerimoji lectures, uh, uh, writings of Francis Crust Welsing, yeah. all in like, in, 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 in this is that Detroit is different. It would still be some of the most gangster gangsters walking up in there too. It's the same people. It's the same people. It's
1: the same people. It's, you know, I've learned as an educator that the that the the child who challenges the system, a lot of times is really is really taking an honest position about something that they know is not for them. Hmm. They know this is not for them. However, they're you know they are they gonna be honest about it. So they're gonna stand up. Mm-hmm. and say, Why are we doing this? This is dumb. Now, a lot of the adults think it's dumb too. But you, as a child, you are, you don't always have the, uh, you don't the, have the
0: uh, you you don't have the, the language. Yes, yes. To, to yes. say
1: to the so, I say, but I say that to say, and and this is this is especially relevant at least to my journey in Detroit because I, at that time, I was you know I was coming into something that I didn't have a background in. My my mother and father weren't what you would call conscious people. They are great people. They're, my father one of the best men I've met in my life, but he wasn't. You know, a lot of the things from the standpoint of diet and consciousness were things that um, I was bringing, I was encountering for the first time and And brought it to the family. But Detroit, Detroit grabbed me and taught me a lot. Like just like, well, you want to learn about this? Well, here. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Here goes some books. Here goes some tapes. Here's a place where we gather and somebody going to pull you to the side and say, hey, young brother, why don't you, you know, Mm -hmm. don't wear your pants like this. Where I'm like, here's why. Here's what that means. And and it it was it's a sea of knowledge and information, again, coming back to the importance of this. Right. Because there is there are there are libraries of information that if we do not make uh, a priority of sharing and documenting and saying, here go to here go to files, here go these important conversations we had so that my children, my I got three old triplets. They're going to grow up one day and they're going to have they're going to want to know more than I can even tell them.
0: Yeah. So, and then, even like how this conversation is pulling out of you certain things that you forgot, because immediately when you said the, and I'm unfamiliar with the UNIA, UNI, U-N-O-I. United, United Nations of Islam. And they're, I want to ask some more questions about that. But immediately when I thought that, and I'm like, Northern, North End, you had to have been in Arknar Tunes because that's the place <laughs> where some heightened consciousness I was connecting just being around it. Man, yeah,
1: they're uh, Black Star Bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. My children. So I have. I have a. <laughs> I have eleven biological children. Mm. I have. I have sixteen children that I am. You know, I've raised or I have guardianship. My first children that I raised were actually my cousins. Mm-hmm. Um. I got guardianship on with them when I was eighteen. Like a lot of family, and that's the thing, right? Like we we are speaking about consciousness. We're speaking about activism, but really we're in it too. Like, I'm not trying to save something outside of myself. I'm looking at my situation as my family, my family suffers. From these are,
0: these are applicable solutions. Yeah. Like right now, it's not like this is good and it may help somebody. It's like, yo, I'm about to use that right, right now. now.
1: Like, yeah, th- with this event, there's going to be people coming to answer questions that I got <laughs> and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm booking them so that everybody gets the answer. But, but, but it's, it's because we suffered. But t- to the point of the story at that time, I had, a uh, I I had my two younger cousins and when I, Got married. I had a stepdaughter. They went to Insaroma. Now we was at we were in, we were at, uh, you know we were a young family in Insaroma, and there were so many people who now today right we're talking twenty years later, you know who have gone on and done legendary things and built other great institutions and done other great works. We had the opportunity, even not just myself, my family had the opportunity to be around them. When we started selling, so I sold food in the city for for just about as long as I've been an adult. That was the first time we had a little, t- we had a little vending table out in the hallway in it's Roma And my wife <laughs> was, she baked some cookies She's phenomenal to this day. One of the greatest cooks I've ever in my life. Should we, should we make some cookies, put them out on the table and just so many organic conversations. First of all, let's talk about that's an activity, right? That's something for us to do where we can exercise this knowledge. Not just, you know what I'm saying? Cause you can give somebody some mm-hmm. knowledge, but if you don't give them a place to practice it, mm-hmm. what have you really done for them? Yeah. So, so having these spaces, Having these gatherings, you know, the first Kwanzaa events I started going to, you know, I, I went to it as an adult, but the city, you know, has always, even with this event we're doing, a lot of these relationships were born organically from, you know what I'm saying? Like, even me and you, like, there was mm-hmm. no, I, I don't think there was any formal introduction. It's just like, mm-hmm. I keep saying, oh, I we see this brother see each over there. I see this brother, oh, he, oh, he rocked with Josh too. I said, yep. Oh, okay, oh, he, you know, so it's, it's, it's that, it's that being in community, like active community with people that builds these relationships and makes us, you know, want to support one another. And that's why it's important. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important, first of all, to do it, but also to like, again, have platforms like this where we can say, hey, there's some you you dealing with mental illness in your family. You you trying to figure out what to do with your loved one when they're on your porch at three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Come to Avalon Village on the 24th. We're gonna have some answers. You dealing with you deal with this is what we do know. We live in an environment. That is, that is that is damaging to us every time we step outside. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going to, like, speaking about the price, how stressful the price of gas is, we're just living in an environment where there's just so much layer upon layer upon layer of trauma, not just what you're experiencing now, but what your mom and them experience and what that generation experienced before that. So if you don't address those things or if we don't create systems to address those things, they start to do what they've been doing. They start to wear us down. And, you know, we know 25 years ago, Governor Engler Close all the mental hospitals in, in the in the state. Um, you know, in in doing this event, I've come to find out that you know the lowest amount of money that Medicaid gives is for a mental a mental health patient. You can go in there if you're drug addicted; they'll give you a certain amount of money. But if you were if you were there because you suffer from bipolar or schizophrenic, the facility will get the least amount of money. Not you know, unless you have private insurance or something of that nature. Well, these are are systemic problems, right? Like, again, we know we're going to experience these issues. There's no, even though there are entities that receive millions upon millions of dollars to serve us us in that area, they're not doing it. So when you ask, like, what organization is doing this event, this this, this event is being done because on my way here, I just got off the phone with my cousin because we're trying to figure out what to do for our other cousin who's bipolar and we can't,
0: we can't wrap our arms quite around And and, and, and we're you know going to definitely introduce that. Um, I want to pick up with your story. We're going to go right into that because yeah, you're yeah, speaking yeah. about that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, even the work that Dave is doing at Inception with the mental health yes, gym. And yes. when he spoke to it, I was like, mental health gym. That's, that's interesting. So. Yes. And um and, and he's got more uh perspective. And then you look at it and, and then you see it. Uh, the floating, uh, the brainwave. Uh, he he does like an intense e- uh, extraction of trauma therapy, traumatic therapy. It's interesting, um, and, and and it makes sense as as I was told once that you know, kind of like Joy grew and other things like what can be in your DNA. And I was told once that it's like, yeah, if you had an alco- alcoholic in your family, that can live for like three generations just through the DNA and, yeah. and what that's connected to and how that's connected. And I was thinking to myself, like, that's interesting. And it's like, okay, what's labeled an alcoholic? When, when do I know it's just, you know, was Granddad just a casual drinker? Was, what, what labeled him an alcoholic? And, yeah. and what the layers are and just how things are and, and what was labeled. But it still makes me think what we can carry. So, so we're talking before this and you're like, this is really an event in strengthening specifically like men's mental health, but speak to what's happening. What's, what's coming up?
1: Oh, so i um, so the event, yeah. So the, and we're trying to address the whole thing, not trying to, we are addressing, we are creating the space to address the whole thing mm-hmm. because none of us have all the answers. Mm-hmm. All of us are engaged in this fight and, Similar to what you do here, I I know a lot of people who are doing work on the front lines of this fight. Well, what is you know, we talk about strategy, right? We talk about uh, revolutionary crime strategy. So part of a strategy is say, like, hey, let's get everybody who's in the fight in the same room, mm-hmm. on the same page. Because you mentioned the brother who had the mental health gym, I need to reach out to him. Mm-hmm. I need to reach out to him because he's doing the work. He's on this every day. He got people coming, and he's doing work, and he's seeing results. Well, the person who comes, who needs that, is gonna come to this event. They need to know where to get that. The person who is also doing yoga and they, yo, know, I got one piece of it, but I need this other piece because I need my clients to be able to eat healthier. Well, let's get the sister who's doing dietary stuff. Let's get this person who's, I'm doing these three things, but I'm ready to take my mental health to another, my mental wellness, to another level. You know, like let's let's bring everybody who's there, so we have. Uh, again, we have a, there's an event called Sage Smoke that my sister, Adora Bandelay, throws phenomenal space of healers and Reiki workers and, and, and uh, you know, studying the stones and energy and art therapy and all of these things. Um, we have, oh, it's going to be hosted by my sister, Edith Fiesby, uh, you know, from, from uh, Sweet Potato Sensation, but also she mm-hmm. does a, a, a great piece on uh, grieving. Mm -hmm. and healing from grieving. So she's going to actually host a panel. Our panel is going to be Sister Patrice Lucas. Uh, She does a ton of phenomenal work like personally with people, with families. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We have um, Sister Lady Speech Sankofa from Denver, Colorado. She's an Mm -hmm. activist. She she deals in mental health a lot um, and has a relationship with a lot of people in the city, so we thought it would be a good opportunity to invite her to the city to connect with us because this is not only happening in Detroit. Um... Kalima Johnson from mm-hmm. the Sasha Center. There, They are participating in helping to facilitate our men's healing circle. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a conversation about men-woman relationships because we can't talk about healing. We can't really heal as the black man if we don't also heal the black woman. And the black mm-hmm. woman, it's going to be extremely hard for her to heal, for us to heal as a group if we don't both heal simultaneously you know
0: so so as you talk about it that when is this event this event is
1: April 24th at Avalon Village
0: at Avalon Village Mama Shoe yes, is so funny it's going to run concurrent with Mama Shoe's interview so yeah. what what made you want to have this at Avalon Village <laughs>
1: I'm going to be honest man I've I've a i have i have I love shoe I've been knowing shoe since uh the black hole. When and I was, was going to say nation, really,
0: I was going to I was going to bring that up, but you just went right into yeah, it because it I, seems like all of this is in the footprint of you're in that you're in that corridor of like you you're in that mix. I know you've gone beyond what the North End is, but yeah, now that I'm, Woodward corridor like I mean, you that, you kind of in in that northern neighborhood. That's my that's 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 that's, that's your where footprint. I'm for me. That's yeah.
1: my you know it's interesting cuz I move I've moved away from the city a lot. And mm-hmm. every time I move back, I end up back Background over there. Uh And I, you know, at this point, I don't feel like it's a coincidence. My, Mm -hmm. uh, I, um, but I, when I was in the nation, so I, to kind of backtrack into my story, when I went to Kansas and I was a full time volunteer, right? We, 24 7, we didn't deal with anything that was outside of nation building. And,
0: Uh and and specific to the UNOI,
1: United Nation of Islam. So we Mm -hmm. had, we had, uh, specifically in Kansas, there, we had a restaurant. We had a donut shop. We had FOI barracks. We had housing. We had a school. Very school similar bus. to uh,
0: the 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 foundation of the nation of Islam. Yeah. In 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 origin.
1: Yeah. The pra- practicing those principles, right? Like mm-hmm. we're actually building a nation, not in principle but in name. These are buildings. These are places. These are activities. Because again, if we're going to teach about freedom, we got to give people a place to practice freedom. Um, without getting too deep into that, but I when I came when I came. Cause I, I I'm a, pat myself on the back. I did my thing in the nation, and my dream was because I saw this program work in other cities, and I was like, well, damn! If we can do this, if we, if I can do, this, if we can pull, if we can open a bakery in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, from this black organization with with all of this, you know, activity, man! If we could just get back to Detroit, if I could just get back to Detroit, I know we can make this thing pop. And I, so I was blessed to be dispatched back to Detroit in 2006. Yeah, my. uh Son, my second oldest son was born that same time. And there was a lot going on at that time. But one of the things that was happening was um, Shu and my sister Sonny, I met them at, they they had the star The, star, the Black the Hole. The Black Hole. Right. And it was around that time that uh, Shu's first son transitioned. Mm. And it was around that time that Nadi moved in on the block on uh, Woodward right there. two Food doors down. I remember come, them, them coming to get me and saying, hey, I want to introduce you to my sister Nandi down here. She had a, and I didn't here's the thing. I was selling food. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew they were selling food in the restaurant. So I was like, I ain't going to go in here because, you know, I ain't trying to be disrespectful. They selling food. I'm going to come mm-hmm. in here. I came down there. They came and got me. And uh, at the time, Baba Kamari was still down
0: there. Yeah, Baba Kamari. And that's, you know,
1: that's those that know me, that's somebody who, who I didn't know at the time, but grew closer to me like, then you know my kin. I Like I love the brother. He's still his he his spirit is very much in what it is that we're doing. But um, that uh, speaking about the origin of the relationship with Shu, like it, it goes back to there. And um, so you know we've been friends, and I mean you know watching each other live and watching each other's families and, grow, and then seeing what she was doing on on uh, on Avalon. <laughs> um, you know. Almost from a place of defiance, but like, this is what I'm just going to cheat. The one thing that I've always loved about Shu is she's always just been about that action. Like, what is the thing that I need to be doing to move this thing forward for my people? Like, every time I've ever dealt with her, it's always been on. And, and also, like, you need to be doing that too, Prost. Like why, like, why don't you just do something? Just do something.
0: I'm I'm laughing because (laughs) when I interviewed her, I was like, I don't think I've ever asked her a question where she doesn't say yes. It's always like, I'm thinking about and it's like, yes, brother, we can do that. But we have to like it'll definitely be within a structure. Yeah. And so so it just to hear this reiterated through you is like shocking. And also you're tying together. So like this is also just just the. The as you all see the excitement of my fanhood of Detroit and yeah. different Detroit nuances and culture like you're seeing a lot of water and pots pouring into each other. Yes. So so he's he's mentioning first Ockner tunes yeah and like having a frame of reference of something like the black hole working and then it's like okay sadly that place it was a fire it burns down it's like damn man where what, what's going to happen then I get a call from. You know, somebody like, Hey man, you gotta see Jessica care more. Drake Pfeiffer's like, you gotta see Jessica Care more. She had she at Nineties knowledge cafe. I'm like, I know it, Jessica. I don't really know what's going on. And then I see Jessica, you know Jessica's spirit, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and then yeah. and then I see Baba Nandi and she's like, I don't remember you from Shoelay. And I'm like yeah, I'm like, yes. Yeah, and then <laughs> Baba Kamari, Kevlar, who's gonna be a part of this event. Yeah, like yeah. almost like these so, like, people wonder how people are in these spaces and places. Like, when you look back at times, like, yeah. kind of the that that one movie uh, where they were like, "Yeah, that night, that one night in Miami, where it's like you got Jim Brown, you got Sam Cooke, you got Malcolm X, and you got Muhammad Ali, yeah, all in the same room." Yeah, in my mind, it's like, "Damn, that that seems weird." But then you think about it in Detroit, like, just that synergy of Mama Shu, Nandi, you. Kevlar, Baba Kamar, like it's all oozing of like here. something that you even have a frame of reference from because it's like you can go further up the block and it's like okay that's the start of Insorma Institute Then you go even further up the block and even like everything that was that's done it. with like Dolores Bennett and in, in, in these thinkings and, and different calls to action and it's still like in the heart of like this like I say the energy over yeah. there is, 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 is and, it's a different energy
1: over there we we we're we're impactful in ways that we we completely. It's it's interesting because we are so. It's normal to us. It's normal to see these people. To me, when I see them, I f- I'm feel like I'm seeing family. There are a lot of people like mm-hmm. you and me. And you know, uh, shout out to my sister Sony, who was who was yeah. one of the owners of Black Hole, and mm-hmm. when opened Copper Bamboo in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and I believe has two stores now. And is mm-hmm. and is, and, is, and is and you know, took that same energy to New Orleans, and it's still doing, like, the Detroit thing just in another city. But but, but we've seen, we've had the opportunity to see each other grow up. One of my favorite things about throwing this event is, uh, you know, I, I get I want to get to talk to Kev a lot more because mm-hmm. um, if you don't know why you're calling, he might not answer, <laughs> but it's because he knows we're working on something because he knows we're working on something because he got a full plate, man. The brother's yeah. doing a lot, and he has his family and when we all, you know, we all met. I'm, I, you know, I got eleven kids. I had a kid or two, mm-hmm. <laughs> but now when we call, we, you know, we're discussing the the business of this event, and we're like, well, hold on, hold on. What you want? No, you can't have a cookie. Tell your brother go downstairs and get you some water. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. Go ahead. Like that's our whole conversation, <laughs> and it, and it's 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 it's, <laughs> it's affirming for me as a father because I can't get through a phone call, but uh-huh. also it's a reminder that as we. As we live and we grow, our responsibilities in this community change. There was a time mm-hmm. when I was that young father at Ince Roman. I'm watching, you know, mm-hmm. Bob Malik. I don't even think knew me at the time. I'm watching this person. I'm watching, I'm seeing these, you know what I'm saying? My my, mm-hmm. my uh my grandfather being a politician, I had access to a lot of people. The brother who used to be on a um city council, I can't remember his name now, Kwame um Kenyatta. Ken- Kwame Kenyatta. Yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. seeing these people and having access to be able to touch them. And then recognizing as as they grow and some of them transition to, to then, ancestors, mm-hmm. recognizing that our place and our responsibility changes.
0: And then even having like like Jamon Jordan being like your it's like a different frame of reference when he was your kid's teacher. Yes. And it's like, damn, he got game. Like you're sitting listening to your kids teacher just talk to you after class, has got game. And now you see him build a whole I don't know, like an institution of like Detroit Black History. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying, like, and you knew he would had this before, but then it blossoms to like, ah, uh, I was already having that conversation back in 2004. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And, and 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 we have again to take it back to the example you said with the uh, one out in Miami that we have these legendary nights and these legendary moments mm-hmm. where we've shared with each other, mm-hmm. but. One of the things, and it's and it's and one of the things about shoot, right? because she was operating she's operating on a higher platform than she was when she was operating black hole. Yeah. But I'm close enough to her to know same system. Yes. Same sister. She got her, she, she has moved different. You know, Yusuf is not, you know, when I met Yusuf, we was much younger men. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we physically try to go save Detroit with our physical hands. <laughs> like, we go going to clean up this lot. Over here, no flyer. we just going to clean up this lot. And, mm-hmm. like, maybe two brothers would show up. And he was mm-hmm. doing that way more than me. But I'm saying that to say as we grow and we mature, the way that our responsibility in this family changes. and And for me, this, you know, again, it's levels to it me having dealt with, because there was a time in my family, like a lot of families, we didn't talk about mental illness. It was, it's been in my family longer than I have. But we would say, oh, so-and-so, you know, he on that he on that stuff again. Or, so-and-so, you know, we, uh, they, she just got a bad attitude. She just got a nasty attitude. That's why I don't like that girl. Not knowing that our loved one is, is ill, and you know, it, would, it would almost be an insult, like you need to seek therapy. So, so, <laughs> so bringing
0: this together, especially yeah. in this space, in healing, because you're right. Like, especially men speaking about mental illness. Yeah. Uh, me and Josh, like, we go back and forth oftentimes. Yeah. Uh, I want to say we may have had a conversation even today. Like, as a man, and, and, you know, my mind, I work in marketing. So I think, like, thinking through the lens of a sociologist yeah. is what a lot of marketers do. Cause we're we're putting people prejudging, putting people in buckets and 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 perceiving what the conditioning of how this person may see something. So yeah. the idea to make you want this product or to to accept this product is like, okay, we have to have a frame of reference of, of what it is. Like here we go, classic one. You know, uh when people use a term like middle class, hmm. it's something that was incepted and created through marketers. Yeah. You know, because it's like, okay, we know you don't have enough money to think that you're rich. Right. And we know definitely you don't want to associate yourself as being poor. Right. So let's create something called the middle class to put you in. And now we can fill these buckets with ideas. We're going to give you a television show. We're going to give you this to make you You think that this is middle class. Yeah. So now we're going to incept these items into this television show to incept that this is what the standard of what middle class is. Yeah. So you're turning on the TV and you're looking at 227 and you're thinking that, okay, that's just a family. And it's like, okay, Regina King kind of fly. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's and it's definitely. like, oh man, Stoney Jackson's funny. Now, you're looking at that and you're thinking it's television, but yeah. it's incepting other ideas in your mind yes, of what these items are. So now when, when, when Pearl... Says ah, I can't use my microwave.
1: Yeah,
0: you didn't even realize it's like, oh damn, Pearl got a microwave. She middle class. I guess it's time for me to get a microwave. Like you're not even thinking it's like normalizing
1: this. Normalizing that. Yeah. So that's so, so
0: cool. as in marketing, it, it ties to mental health so much because it's the psychology of group thinking. Now yeah. what it it does not have the ethic or the morality to actually say okay filling up the bucket of wholeness. Cause in mm. the American ideal, mm. it's like mm. these things, this stuff will basically complete who you, uh, uh, well, will be to completion instead of saying like, you are already whole. Because if you walk into this and feel whole, yeah. then now you're not going to feel the pressure of like, damn, I need an iPhone. So being added attitude. Yeah. So yeah. I-, I gave that long runway to say, especially as men, yeah. it's not even places and spaces where we feel as though in that same conditioning and we see it through television and everything else. Like where we even feel a space and place to say anything, yeah. because if we do what we've, if we, whatever we do, it's a, a implied, and I know this is a social pressure and we play on this in marketing and stuff, but yeah. whatever we do, we're supposed to do. Cause that's what a man's supposed to do to do so that's whether it's like you know man like i I did real good with my job you supposed to do that i i i I did something for my kid you supposed to do that like it's no it's no like the pressure of being a man is like that's what you're supposed to do now and i already hear as a man and this is that same pressure that women are watching like i feel the same way too i believe women have been conditioned in a whole nother lens where their association creates their value and their associative value is like whatever that label is whether that's daughter mother wife friend it's it's relative to who they're connected to yeah. hence a lot of the advertising like this stuff is deep it's like a lot of the advertising is always going to be branded with something marketing, like in reference to someone else in marketing to women, in reference to men, because it's like it's what we supposed to do. It's almost like gonna be more with pride yeah. about who we are as a man, and more with women, it's more about appreciation mm-hmm. and, and being being welcomed and beloved, and 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 getting your worth and your value.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I'm saying? So yeah. these are. These are things I often like sit and stew with and then I play with them too because I'm I'm in marketing and I understand these things that are triggers that pull because we've been so conditioned and incepted. And when people say, no, I grew up different or I would, my family, you know, I, I was a Quaker or whatever. It, it it really doesn't, nobody says I'm a Quaker, but <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like my, my dad gonna, didn't let all I that, was that was stuff in the week house. Week my week mom week didn't week. let what? that stuff in the house. It it. <laughs> It's less about that because it's society itself. The minute yeah. that you tap into this machine of America, the rest of the vestiges of America comes into play. Yeah. So here's an example that I often use for people that, to, of today's example. Yeah. You know, and I, I didn't think I was gonna go on this log soliloquy. No, no. But <laughs> but it's just to show you guys how mentally this stuff plays on things.
1: Right.
0: McDonald's ran an ad a couple years ago with Travis Scott. Yeah. Right now, the thought process is like, why would McDonald's partner with Travis Scott? Well, As proud. a marketing person, it's completely smart because mm. the Travis Scott listener is not going to be the person that eats McDonald's. Right. But the Travis Scott listener is that kid. Of the person that eats McDonald's mm. or the grandkid. So now when granddad comes with a fish fillet sandwich instead mm. of the grandson saying, you know, that's going to kill you. And that's crazy. You don't see supersize me. They thinking it's going to kill you, but they done gave some money to Travis Scott. So, you know, I guess it's kind of (laughs) cool. Yeah. I mean you left yeah. it but you this is how yeah. we have to change like marketing has shifted in influential marketing to, to ways where you can't even deliver things like when we were kids McDonald's had a whole different perspective of you know you drive by and it's like two billion sold it would be like ba da 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 it was like a happy feeling and all that stuff they've had to completely shift their branding as society has shifted and looking at McDonald's like yo that will kill you so they have to be like okay in what ways can we market differently the same way that you and I are around the same age cigarette companies did the same thing and they had to pivot like in the late 80s early 90s to make cigarette smoking it's like look we ain't winning the battle no more so how do we market cigarettes differently hence in in in, in movies Uh, you know influential marketing with cigarettes became a whole lot more popular even though it was also kind of the first kickoff of like right, we're gonna pay we're gonna pay the the sexiest one hundred uh, women to smoke cigarettes at the St. Patrick's Day parade to incept certain things. Yeah. And even the whole concept of like study study I'm really getting into my nerd marketing world. Study De Beer's diamonds. De Beer's diamonds. Because there the diamond is really worth nothing it's a worthless stone the, the value came because the De Beers family bought all of the diamond mines at the at the time and we know they was blood diamonds but I mean let's be serious just, about what mean. it was but they bought it and they went to a marketing company and said how do we do this and it's yeah. like okay we're going to make the stone of a diamond be the signature piece if you're a man of pride to give your wife so that's the diamond and the campaign that the marketing agency did for De Beers it did two things it it. it, it accomplished both incepted goals. It made a man feel proud. Right. And it made a woman have an associative value to who this man that's proud is. It's like a win-win in a marketer's mind. I, I
1: really, I hope, as I'm listening to you, I really, really, really hope uh, you get an opportunity to, uh, to bring Kevlar on because that's one of the things that he works intently on personally is, mm-hmm. is mindfulness, right? Because mm-hmm. that, what you just described is, it brings me back to the mind one thing. Baba Kamara used to always say is we have to control. The narrative, we have to control the narrative that we're feeding to our family, but also like even in our own head, because I just did. So I want to in getting ready for this men's healing circle. I'm doing research and I'm part of this other men's healing circle. We talked about gun violence last Sunday. Real dope group out of Philly. Uh, I can't remember the name of the group, but this is men's healing circle. They're dealing with traumatized men. And this was for men who have been shot. Now, when I now when they said what the subject was, I was like, well, I ain't never been shot. Mm-hmm. So this don't really apply to me. And then, as we dug into the conversation, because that's the that's the that is the narrative is, particularly where we come from. Everybody, people get shot every day. B like we know this. This is an accepted part of us, but we don't recognize it as trauma to to hear guns fire every night, and for it to be normal because it's normal. That's not healthy. This is one of those things that start to pick away slowly but surely, picking away our sanity because we're accepting we're accepting that. I didn't get shot somebody somebody might have got somebody get shot somebody get shot at was that the shoot in the air even if you're not conscious of these things these things are playing in your psyche somewhere
0: to the point where it's so funny you, you got me opening up even more like like uh even the black bottom gun club and, and we've gone back and forth and i've challenged because it's like am i anti-gun am i not anti-gun yeah. it's, not, it's like okay the gun is a tool yeah. but i've been so conditioned from definitely, I think as much as I love my favorite art form of hip hop, yeah. it's also changed my perspective. And one of the favorite yeah. scenes that I got of uh, of of my of the of the sh- of the uh, cartoon Boondocks, yeah, it's a scene where Thugnificent is 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 uh, <laughs> having, and it was like, "Yo, man, we live in terrible, terrible." And it's like a joke, but it was so real because I'm like, damn, I think like that. Me and my homeboy used to laugh. He was like, yeah, man, the cops got out of here. Last week I saw a guy get shot. Then they turned around and shot a deuce on him and they peed on him, too. And I looked at it and I thought, what did he do to make them that mad? Like, that's really A lot of times, my thinking is like when somebody gets shot, my thought process isn't like, damn, that's a tragedy as much as it's like, what happened? What did he do? (laughs) And I mean, and this is, and this is, I know it's a part of just the conditioning of I've accepted getting shot as a a reality in life. So it's like, he, got to, he went to the store and get shot. Okay, well, did he have beef with people? Yeah. Was he messing with somebody? Girl. Like, I, I have a context of basically like, okay, I have a list that have been in my mind of a pre... I have a predetermined list of these are the reasons you can get shot. Yeah. And if if you get shot for a reason outside of that, I'm like, what is wrong with you for shooting somebody <laughs> for that reason? But see, Not necessarily thinking, why in the hell is you shooting somebody in the first place? Yeah, it, and, and,
1: it's, and, it's, and it's one of those places that we... We hide mental illness in our culture because somebody mm-hmm. is mad enough. Somebody has somebody has lived a life where they have decided that taking somebody's life, taking somebody who lives where they live, life is a is a viable option. Oftentimes for things that are not even re- sometimes I don't even know this guy, but in this moment, right? But you know, it's a, a right time,
0: wrong guy. You know what I'm saying? It's, you, it's usually it's, it's usually that, and it's so it's so like here's a classic one. Yeah, and, and and I know my dad's probably shaking his head at this, but we all probably been through this. Yeah. like a lot of kids, I got my bike stole, mm. and I was robbed like at maybe like thirteen. Right. The response wasn't, "Damn, I can't believe what you got through." As a black person, what was the response from my parents? What'd you do? <laughs> oh, Where a... was you ride your bike? It was yeah, like we like were like going you down do? the like, alley. Like, yeah, like you. Yeah. Yeah, what you like? It's like you get questions. robbed. Black people was like, what were you doing? Were you flashing money? (laughs) It's like, because we've accepted certain conditions in our community where it definitely does not make the linear, I guess, quote unquote, I don't want to say even logical sense, but it just doesn't make the most healthy sense. But it's just, these are things that, We've normalized.
1: And, and how old are you when you realize that, right? How old was I when I realized gunfire outside my house
0: is normal? We don't even duck no more. No, you know what I'm saying. I like, mean, back in the I was you a know, child. you grew I was up in kid. my era, and it was way you know people's like, man, it's crazy now. Nah, like I remember, especially on this block because this is my block. Okay. And I mean, uh, here we go. Folks had a. I guess we want to say, like, I guess a drug house or a spot that they sell drugs out of for yeah, yeah, yeah. for some folks is a gang yeah, that at one point in time was very, yeah. very prevalent around here. So, like, if if I heard, uh, uh uh like, if I heard a car revving up, you hear a vroom, vroom, vroom. And usually you hear, like, Compton's Most Wanted or Black Superman or Above the Law or, like, Spice One. Yeah, you just knew, nice all right, lay down. Yeah, on the floor like you know we playing with Ninja Turtles or whatever, and it's like oh (laughs) yeah, because that's a drive by, because people aren't revving up their car listening to Spice One, just because it's a hot summer day.
1: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, we accept it. We accept these things, and Mm -hmm. and and the problem is, and that's one of the that's one of the challenges with mental illness. I know in my family we had you know I had a loved one who I was really close to growing up. I was really I had a sibling and. When we got to a certain age, we was like this. When we got to a certain age, I started seeing behavior, and I was like, "Oh, this is like, what's wrong with them? Mm.
0: What's going on with My you?" My man tripping.
1: Yeah, like, I don't, and then it got to the point where, no, I don't rock with him. I can't deal. with him. Yeah. I can't deal with bro. Then it got to the point where it's like, man, until until I got till we were we were adults, we were in our thirties, and somebody stopped me and said, "Hey, you know, you know, you you know, he's bipolar, schizophrenic." And 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 when and it was one of the hardest moments for me because this was somebody who I know had my back. I know they always had my back. But in the moment because of our because of our unwillingness to have the conversation about it, because of our willingness to say, no, this is about their this is about you doing something wrong. They're doing something wrong. Um, you know, not being able to recognize the signs. I didn't help them. I turned my back on them because They was
0: sick. (laughs) Now, now, that 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 definitely rushed me to like a lot of friends that we've lost, especially as men, we'll lose. In our mind, it's like, and we get into the business, especially me and stuff like that. It's it's been close homies, yeah, that I ain't caught up with. But even in you saying that, how do men even keep create? Like, how do these healing circles work to create a space where? Because that's the other onus and pressure that we have. Like our our masculine facade of not wanting to show this vulnerability uh, of being who we are. Like sometimes just having a friend to have to, to speak things out, especially for me, I think through conversations. So like I need that and I'm sure others need it too. But like, how do you create that space of a man? Because we can be so guarded. We can be guarded. We have egos. We have, you know, um,
1: I I think you start by like when you show up, you, you come as you are. And you know, hopefully you have because once we get to the point where we recognize because these this again this is a just the event is something that came from a conversations. Now, when you start when we started to piece together what we wanted this event to be, we realized like, oh, okay, there are some people doing this work. I've you know I found out that the Sasha Center they do they do a men's healing circle. Um, you know I, the the group out Philly they doing a men's I healing think circle. King Wise is a part of Omari. I yeah, King Wise. Mark, is yeah, Amari, he, Amari King Wise was he he was working with the Sasha Center right now. He's taking a break. Uh, okay. shout out to that brother, mm-hmm. uh, who definitely has been like uh, a mentor in in the learning to build these spaces for men um, mm-hmm. and letting because <laughs> it's it's a journey. We talking about a journey, right? We are talking about because my grandfather was. The way he was, he wasn't like he didn't make a choice to be that way. He needed to be that way in order to survive at the time in which he existed as a man. He had to really endure some things. My father and I started saying "I love you" to each other when I was in my thirties. My father was, which was my father was in his fifties, fifties or so. I started saying "I love you" to my boys. You know, now, you know, some of some of my sons are teens. My son is twenty two. My youngest son is three. Um, same thing with my homeboy. something right. some. I've, I, if I if I'm in a real good space with a brother, I'll end the conversation with "I love you." Now, <laughs> the brother don't always say it back. Sometimes it's yeah. that pause, it's like
0: weird. It's like what, what's going but on. But I but I recognize. Like, oh, you about to ask for some money? Nah, They're, yeah.
1: <laughs> Sometimes I'm, I'm gonna do that. I might leave with that, but <laughs> but I, <laughs> but the but the fact of the matter is is we have to. I think for it, it just has to be a conscious decision. And that's what I was. That's why I brought up the control controlling the narrative. We have to control mm-hmm. the narrative with our own individual self. Yeah. The, a lot of these things we look at, we ex, we express the negative. So you know, if you have any understanding how law of attraction work, we are constantly reinforcing yes. these things. So even when we speak about the event, we want to talk about mental wellness. We don't. Yes, there is a mental health issue in the community, but we part of the event is crisis, right? Part of the event is saying, "Hey, it's three o'clock in the morning and." and my son is banging on my front window trying to get in the house. I don't want to call the police on him. I know he needs help. What do I do? So we're going to have those institutions, Henry Ford Health Systems. We're going to get somebody from DHS there. We're going to have um, the mental health facilities there to say this is what you do in that situation. But the bigger part of the event is we're dealing in prevention. We're dealing in lifestyle. We understand that these negative things exist in in our environment. So what do you, so for me, I get up every day five to seven. And the reason I get up Every day, 5 to 7. I don't know if I mentioned this yet. I got 11 kids. So they coming on my door at 7 o'clock no matter what. Mm -hmm. I work at a school. I work with children who are, you know, somewhat challenging. And, you know, I work in an environment that's challenging because sometimes it's hard trying to free black kids inside of the education system. So I know that after 7 o'clock, the world is going to start taking. It's going to start taking. So 5 to 7 is my time just to do either nothing, listen to music, because I know one of my mentors taught me is you have to you have to make sure that you show up every day with a full tank because they're gonna take one whether you show up with one or not they're gonna take they're, the day is if you especially if you're doing something where you are in, involved with other people and 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 sometimes dealing with their emotions the world's gonna take a full day, so you have to have habits you know it could be your diet you know what I'm saying we know that an unhealthy diet contributes to mental illness it could be the people you have around me let me develop some boundaries around me so that because a lot of times we're
0: prisoners of our relationships we want to keep this person alive because we have this and then also i like that you said that but also it's it's like like you say it's like we pull from people and then you meet a new person and this new person seems like so phenomenal because they just come in with that fresh slate like you say they come in with that full tank yeah and and you're and, and it's just so easy to just wanna get that full tank from that new person. And yeah. then they become like the other person. And then now you've like manifested the reality of like I knew they was like everybody else just too. Listen. And it's like, you know, just I, I like you use the term boundaries. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got to. Um I, I do I do have to definitely um I gotta push back and challenge you on this though too. What's that? Because sometimes it's like, okay, how much of it is by choice? And how much of it in is 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 circumstantial, and, and then are, are, and then is a person supposed to make that judgment? Because sometimes you may need to make that judgment to make your own boundaries. Because if you know someone is going through this crisis, yeah, how do you, if you know they're going through crises, but you need to fill up your own mm-hmm. tank right now, mm-hmm. what what do you do? What what happens in that? So, so I'm gonna be
1: honest with you. I've <laughs> there there's no none of this is. Cut and, cut, and cut and paste, mm-hmm. right? There are times when I see that name show up on the caller ID and I know what they call it. And I know that I'm their go-to. However, I can't answer the phone. I can't because I, f- I have to take care of myself. In order to take care of them, so I might normally be the I might normally answer the call, and that's one of the hard things, right? Because we live again, we're not we're not doing these things from a perch
0: in a silo, yeah, yeah. yeah we are
1: yeah. doing these things down in the mud with with the same. Well, we ain't, I ain't trying to pull you out the mud. I'm trying to climb out the mud while you. I'm holding your hand, hopefully, or climb out and show you how I climbed out. But either way, my point is, is I mean, you have you you have to really have a level of awareness, self awareness. What am I feeling right now? And then I mean, pay attention to patterns. Am I going? Am I helping by helping, or am I just kicking the can further down the road? So I mean, this there's no one answer. There's no one answer that's going to apply to everything. You have to, again, you have to be aware of yourself. How are you feeling? Do you have it in you to take this phone call? I've 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 had uh, people in my life who, as a habit, knew they could depend on me during a mental health crisis, and I was happy. I was proud of that. That was something that made me, you know, feel good that they thought they could lean on me. But if I had also had them come to me when I didn't have it to give. And it ended up being damaging to our relationship because, A of all, I didn't say I don't have it to give this time. They showed up because I never drew that boundary with them. They came into the space. I was already – I was I was dealing with some stuff, and they spilled, you know, because sometimes that's what we do when we come in people's space and we feel safe. We just pour it all out on top of them. Again, something else to be aware of. Are you Are you adopting other people's emotional baggage or are you ca- causing them to be responsible for this? You know what I mean, like we're not we want to deal with mental health, but we don't we want to deal with it in a responsible way. You know what I mean? So but long story short, in that situation, I I ended up expressing of some very negative energy because I didn't know how to say, hey, I don't have it in me to do this today. And, you know, having gone through that now understanding, I need to really be aware that there are sometimes you know like I said I'm at work I deal with some really some challenges some kids who will be challenging at times and although I want to be with them all day long sometimes I have to recognize the human in myself and say hey you know what you're mad right now they got to oh, got under your skin this time take a step away mm-hmm. go get go, go to the go to leave them with the leave them with the social worker for a second and you go get you a cup of coffee cuz you need to mm-hmm. balance and I think you know it's it's if I understood all of it, I, we might not be doing this event. Yeah, you know what you. I mean? Like this is this is a knowledge that we're coming into, but we're recognizing again these things that impact us, our health, the things we eat, where we work. They don't. They're not happening in a
0: vacuum. And, and, and let me let me ask this too. Like, yeah. even as you went into that, different things can be triggering in different ways. Yeah, in different responses because we're all struggling. But also, it, I believe that like everything, this kind of goes back into what I do in marketing yeah. right now, mental illness is part of the marketing brand yeah I've it's, seen it's, it. it's it's I've it's it's a it's a whole wing of like connectivity to like you know what i like th- what you're talking about in real healing because that's just how things go. when it gets through the gauntlet and it gets into people like, you know, my hands you yeah. know uh, or people I shouldn't say my hands cuz I'm not in that space of marketing I understand the kung fu yeah. but it's like I'm like the I'm like the samurai that's like we're not going to kill people you know what I'm saying yeah. but I still understand that yo it's a couple daily pr- pressure points right there yeah. mental illness is that right now yeah. you know to the point where it's it's spaces where you know uh I know a lot of teachers it's like you know students know it's like I'm having a mental health day I'm not going to do no work you know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. uh, what do I do? You know what I'm saying? And, and then students, you know, it's like, I'm going to exploit this. You know, we're going to brand this. It's like, oh, is Kanye struggling or is he not struggling? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so in this world, as mental health becomes more of a marketed concept. Right. How now, because you get like more snake oil salesmen in the field. Yeah. Yeah. How do you still have something that's real sincere that is full of richness? Because right now it is a lot of people that are trying to get a one, two steps.
1: Listen, listen. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can go if you can't go on social media without a meme that is attempting to diagnose somebody as, you know, a narcissist or some other actual medical condition. But it was a meme. So we're going to I'm mad at my ex. So she's this thing that I read this meme about. But saying that as an example. Not yeah, that's yeah, I situation. agree, but, I agree, I agree. But, I but agree. I, what I believe, I mean, it's, it's, um, I believe it's unfortunately a, uh, I mean, you know, it's a microcosm of everything else, right? Like, we talk about education. Like, what's a real teacher? Is yeah. it somebody that works at a school in the classroom and gets a salary from, or is it somebody that is about teaching? What is a real healer? Is it somebody at the hospital? Or is it somebody who's actually going about the business of healing? I think that's again highlights the importance of having spaces. First of all, spaces like this where we can control the narrative. Let's bring people to the table who are actually doing the work in doing this event. Um, one of one of the one of the purposes in bringing the institutions to the table, because the irony of it is these people already get millions of dollars to do this, you know. And and unfortunately, we live in a system where that will require some policy change that will require somebody in a in the political arena to decide that this is a worthwhile cause to get on the back of and move it further and that's you know that's the dirty game of politics if it benefits me I'm gonna push it politically um I I think that the other part of it is is building the community so that we are able to recognize Detroit speaking of Detroit Detroit knows who our teachers are Detroit knows the people who are doing the people who was doing urban farming before they was doing grants for urban farming. You know what I'm saying? But Detroit knows. You know what I'm saying? Like if I if I got a real real problem, I could call, you know, somebody at my job. I could call Mama Hanifa. I'm gonna call Mama Neefa because she 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 knows me. She knows me since I was a kid, and she can give me she can give me wisdom. She can give me advice. We know our our where we get news from. You know what I'm saying? That's deep. Um. So I, I think it's just about you have to build it. We so have to build it because it doesn't that exist relationship yet.
0: Relationship in that community. Because, yes. Yeah. Right now, it's I think that whole space is getting flooded. It is. A I lot mean, of marketing and yeah. it's a lot of things that are being looked at that are really. It's being commoditized. Yeah. It's being know. turned into something that's transactional. It's being turned into like you know things that it's sell, like it, it's like it's 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 popped up and become. More of what it used to not be, and I mean, this is what happens when you put anything through the gauntlet of of of, of America. It's like, oh, we starting to pay attention. We gonna make money yeah. off of it. You and I drew up. You know, it, it's almost hard to even talk about it because we're so you know we're close in age. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm 39. So like, when hip hop was first introduced, <laughs> be, when it didn't really have much money into it, yeah, it, it, was, it was just looked business. at as like something that was like something that kind of like nerdy artsy black kids did. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now it's a whole machine. In it. Listen to me, man. You know, yeah. like, but not just hip hop. Everything. I mean, I think like when people say like I got problems with the black church, it's like, but the black church at one point in time, just because of where we were as a people, and segregation and, and Jim Crow, it's like whether you liked or didn't like the black church, you was going to engage with it because it was the the linchpin of structure. the community. Yeah, it was a power
1: structure. Yeah. You know what
0: I'm saying? So it's like you can't. You didn't have the opportunity, You didn't have the luxury. Of saying, I ain't connecting with the church because it's like are you black? You know what I'm saying? Where where else are you going to get a gateway? Yeah. Whereas and then it's like, oh, it's value in that. So now it becomes more of a commodity. And I'm well, not even I'm not I'm not I'm not saying this to dilute the value of either one of those institutions, but yeah. it definitely needs to be looked at because I think mental health is becoming something in that same space right now.
1: I, I agree, but I think the, and that's the other so you brought, I'm glad you brought it that up. That's the other side of it, right? Because we want to keep it pure. We understand the need for it, but also it's an opportunity in that because one thing that you know I, I, I think you can recognize is black people in America have adopted to the fact that this is a capitalist society, and the money dictates what happens in a certain situation. Well, we have experts. Um, you know, we have, we have people who have done the work to be considered an expert. Now it's about being strategic and utilizing our political capital and our ability to set up programs like this. That's why when, you know, Sasha or these other entities are doing events, we're doing surveys. We're saying, hey, let, register with us. Let us let the people know that we got the people. Let the money know that we got the people. Because the money essentially wants, to, you know, wants access to the people. So those who have the relationship with the people are the ones who, you know, we have to we have to work on putting them in positions to affect policy, put them in positions to, you know, uh, do some of the things like what Shu's doing, like you know what Nadi's doing, like you know, empower them in a way that's beyond just philosophical. Let's get a budget. You know what I'm saying? Let's put some of this experience we have because we have people who are at the table who've been organizing, you know, not just grassroots but like building entities, you know, for years. So, I mean, again, I don't want to sit here and pretend like I I personally know all of the answers, but what I do know is that we can't keep doing what we've been doing. So, you know, the, the first step is the first step. We're doing this event at Avalon Village on the 24th of April. It is the first step. And that's the other part about it is we don't want to just do an event and then go away and disappear. We want to do an event and continue to impact mental health in our community. So we're going to build a resource where we can give people to say, hey, you need Reiki? These are the people who are doing Reiki in your community. These are the therapists that are in your community. These are the steps you need to take. Are you trying to get a, a, a DHS worker to help you? This is the steps you got to take. You all, you got to call the police? This is exactly what you say when you call the police. Don't say this. Let them know this part. So it's about, I mean, again, I think knowledge is knowledge is as valuable as our ability to apply it to our life. Mm -hmm. so I mean we're doing this event it's a you know it's called HEAL a mental health conversation but the conversation is just the beginning of anything it's
0: the conversation Um, so so before we leave I definitely want to shout out to Sharia Ayers that's my homie uh, Juneteenth Alive and so much more that's just creative we go back and forth Um, she says you know usually when I she was like when I connect with men touch is very important Hmm. because it means something um where's that space hug touch like what's your space what's your thought process on that and it was unique because i was like damn for real and then she was like and then i saw it like she did like it was almost like a a a social experiment in life i felt like um, uh like what's that lady that did gorillas in the mist or whatever (laughs) like i'm like damn it's like like this is interesting
1: so so that's funny you mentioned that um because there's, there's things that transcend our culture, right, no matter where you come from. No matter what neighborhood you grew up in, no matter what generation you are. And it's the handshake, right? It's the dab. I don't remember how old I was when I learned how to give somebody, to, you know, the handshake that we give. I know, I'm pretty sure my daddy probably taught it to me. Mm-hmm. And he didn't say, hey son, I'm gonna teach you this. I'm about to teach you how to give a handshake. He just I got that from him, I got a dab from his friend. So now when I go and I move to life, and of course I get when I see when I walk I came in the door, yeah, yeah. dabbed you up. When I, you know what I'm saying? When I'm about to go, we're going to NEP tonight, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna get G-Smooth, play the half, you know, play a handshake hug. I teach it. I do it with my sons. I, when I go to the schools that I work at, I do it with the boys there. I don't say, "Hey, I'm about to teach. I'm about to give you something that was given to me, that was given to my father, that was given like well, this is a thing that we've carried." So I do. I do recognize there's a. Uh, it's also a way that you know if somebody really not like. If I reach out to give you a dab and you're like, "Nah," that's how I know there's way there's something wrong. Cause this is normally he would he would have gave me a play. Now that's not happening. It's a communication, even in the dap, even the type of dap you give. You give a certain handshake, you know, we from the same block, same hood. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's, I believe, you know, I've experienced where the touch is incredibly important. It's communication, you know, behavior is communication,
0: and 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 touch is communication. And Um, and and now I gotta pry even deeper on that touch between a woman and man. And I'm not talking from the sensual space, but just just the, the connection. So it could be grandmother, it yeah. could be elder, it could just be woman that not, I mean, I witnessed it. What is that in the pause of men, especially in today? Because nowadays it's like, I'm so, I'm so with all I got going and I don't want to end up in no me too, no, no nothing. Yeah, no. I, I just feel like, you know, my boundaries is like, I need to almost give a woman even more space than I give them space. You know yeah. what I'm
1: saying? It's, it's, I, I think it's, I, again, I think it's communication. I think it's communicates safety. Not just from the standpoint, because as a man, obviously, I want, to, I, want, I want the sisters around me to feel safe with me. But I think it's something meaningful and valuable if a sister, you know, comes and shows you affection by touching you. Again, not in a romantic or sexual way, just I feel, in fact, it's I feel safe enough to touch you or hug you and have comfort in knowing you won't turn this into something that might be dangerous or, or unpleasant for me. And I mean, and, also, and you're absolutely right. We do live, man. Listen, we live in a we live in an age of what I will say is we live in an age of a very large amount of unprocessed and unrecognized trauma. We got to be honest. You know, a lot of us come from us. A lot of us, not us personally, but men who haven't who haven't respected those boundaries. So you know, we live in a time where you need to check. Like, hey, you know, but when you meet somebody, I always say, hey, I'm a hug. Are you? I'm cool with not hugging. I respect, you know what I'm saying? I, I want your consent to touch a person. But if we do hug, if we develop that relationship, there's some women in my life that we're going to hug every time we see each other because that's communication. That's communication from her and communication to me. I mean, there's some people <laughs> some people I don't want to hug. I'm not going to hug because I don't want to create a false sense of uh, of anything. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to be – I don't wanna ever want to be fake. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, you know – it's communication, deep. and I want to be uh, authentic in my
0: communication with people. That's deep. And then this, this kind of go back to I know Frida Sampson. Maybe he's looking at this, thinking like, "Yep, I told you." Just kind of go back to the old black church adage of like, "Lay hands on them." Lay hands on. Lay hands on them means something, I guess. That's that energy. You
1: got energy. Energy. We, got, we hold energy in our bodies. So when I
0: when I come into
1: your space with my energy, I'm either trying to, you know, I'm either trying to harm you or heal you. So I have some agenda. So when we do it with the intention, right, now there's an intention. I'm touching with this intention of, you know, a lot of times when, when I'm dealing with children uh, in particular who are in this moment of just frenzy and tr- expressing traumatized energy, one thing that lets me know is I've done my job in terms of building that relationship is because I can touch, I can, my touch, you know, just like our mother's touch might be able to calm us down in certain situations. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it could be, it's that sometimes you need that person that can put their hand on your shoulder and you the way it comes it ain't firm it ain't grabbing you they just letting you know like hey you safe and that's you know it's 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 mean you know we it's come to the event we going to be we going to have some healing touches there <laughs> some uh, that's part of reiki i believe i don't i'm not a reiki practitioner but one thing I, I you know i've i've been blessed to experience some reiki massages and they're not grabbing your muscle and t- they're they're moving the energy through your body with their hands they're not physically you know what i'm saying break you up like that in my experience again i'm not an expert i don't want to pretend to be an expert but Indeed. touch is a real touch is you know it's, i believe it's one of those arts that we've allowed ourselves to lose track of but that knowledge is still there and that's mm. the point of the event let's get together let's talk about healing let's talk about touch let's talk about some safe touch and some healing touch and even just how can i touch myself when i'm in a moment and i need to calm myself there's certain pressure points on your body where you can you know, get do your those centers. things,
0: get, get your, your center. Yeah. So for me, like what you said, I'm, I'm music's my thing. Uh, so if people wonder, because Lord knows it's always going to be a, a lot on my plate. Yeah. Um, definitely, I'm engaging. My mind is moving. But if I could, if you guys could get, first off, go to that event. Go to that event. The twenty fourth. Uh, Connect. To the uh, donate to the GoFundMe. Donate to the GoFundMe. I'm going to be donating to the GoFundMe. Um, and, uh, and supporting that. I, I, But I do think that, you know, finding that center. I'm big on that. And that's where that music, like, you come in my house, but this is my flow. People be like, man, there's speakers everywhere. It's like, yeah. yeah. And it's different moods. So it's like, I may start with little Baby, then I'm listening to yeah, listen. Aretha Franklin's Gospel, then I'm listening to, you know, uh, Miles Davis, then I'm listening to Sarah Vaughn, like, it's a it's it's everything. Everything it's, is in us. it's I, I have a it's a soundtrack for everything that's going on, yeah. and I need to tap into that music to almost keep it going for me. Yeah. So music means something different for me. So yeah. like even through it, especially being like I say, hip hop's my favorite art form. Yeah, you know, and hence I, I think the wavelength of it. Yeah, and and deconstructing the wavelength. So I'm gonna challenge y'all. It, it's like this. Uh, now I'm gonna put this on your court because it's yeah. something that I've always wanted. You and Kevlar, I would love for you all to start unpacking some of these hip-hop songs because I understand the psychological context, just being a black man of some of this stuff. So when the yeah. baby say something like, Lord knows, as they'll say, calling women out the name, only talking about money and talking about murdering other people. It's yeah. like it's a context for that where I'm understanding. No, yeah. In that context, it's definitely certain things that I'm taking out that is is justifying some of these actions that can be grotesque in our community. But it's also reflecting something that already exists in our community. But it also is a platform in a, in a psychological context, and that's where I like. Man, I wish every rap. I wish some of these rap songs had like damn near like 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 psychological disclaimers to be like, look, this is what. This is what it's saying. Yeah. But what you're hearing is this. And I'm going to challenge y'all to, like, you know, unpack a couple of songs. That's something that, that I would that. love I, you know... to be done because the world is misunderstanding some of, especially, you know, shout out 42 Doug, young dude from Detroit. <laughs> Absolutely. So, like, Doug's music and what he says is so, it is, it's like, mm, that is like, it's like, I know Doug.
1: That I agree with you a thousand percent. I just I had so many thoughts about it in that moment. You know what's really interesting, right? Because that's that is speaks to the divinity, right? Because we have always had speakers who could move people, who could move the crowd. There wasn't no hip hop when Malcolm X was out. There mm-hmm. was no hip like if we we understand what a great just teacher, just speaker Faircon is. Uh, like Martin Luther King, other great speakers mm-hmm. that we've yeah. had who can communicate ideas in a way that move people. Even and it sounds simple. Um, you mentioned little baby. I love little baby so much, and 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 he's not. If you're just listening to it, it's like you might not get it, but he's communicating a certain intensity and hunger in what he's saying. He's communicating some principles in some ways that are not. I probably would talk to my grandmama like that, no. but as a man who is. Moving through a world that is oftentimes adverse for me, I sometimes I gotta have that little chip on my shoulder to like, no, nah, I'm gonna be straight. And when I'm straight, when I'm straight. My guy's gonna be straight. And these are the principles that I live my life by. And I think that that's, I was uh, it's really random. I'm gonna say it because I was thinking while you were talking about mm-hmm. the commodification of our of us, because that's ultimately what it is, right? Yes. Today we didn't. We grew up in a time where there was no there was no YouTube. Right. There wasn't there weren't views. You could not become a millionaire by putting a video on YouTube and it just streaming multiple times. I say that to say a lot of with a lot of the young rappers and it turns into because everybody's aspiring to be real now. So I, I was looking at I was caught up watching videos about the Chicago drill scene and these rappers who from Chicago and all of the violence and things that they've been through in their hood. And I'm watching this and it's a video shot by some Caucasian in Europe. Now, he ain't even he ain't been to Chicago. He ain't in Chicago. He don't know none of them. But he didn't go He didn't got the police reports. He didn't figure out which rapper shot this rapper, which shot this rapper, which shot mm-hmm. this rapper. And the coldest part of it is he got millions of views. Yeah. He got millions of views. He got dozens of videos where he is speaking about this trauma in this Chicago neighborhood, which ain't nothing but about big as a quarter mile, mm-hmm. where they are killing each other. And he is taking that story, put it on YouTube, and is making bank on it. And you know that's not so different from the you know the rap the you know I mean, the rappers the taking our pain and giving yeah. it to the record label and it's yeah. it's 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 just again speaking to the power mm-hmm. of controlling the narrative not just in the sense of like discouraging rappers
0: from saying what they're saying but also like let's put it in the lens in the proper context yeah. I think one of the most viral things and it's so funny you brought that up I didn't think I was gonna go here but um, this is so long ago I mean I think it may be about maybe seven eight years like. 10 years ago so like uh the the rapper chief keith yeah uh when uh that 15 year old got shot and it was like piss on his grave and i was like this is not a, a critique it was a it was i wrote a facebook this is back when facebook notes were bigger but that facebook <laughs> note got picked up thousands of times yeah like in a matter of a day because i wrote a whole take on it yeah. and kind of unpacked it from the perspective of like. I'm not looking at Chief Keefe. I mean, he's he's a young kid from Chicago. Like, part of it is, like, Chicago struggling with autism. Yeah. that wrote this. Let's talk it's, the, it, it's not him. And then people was like, he got autistic, he can still rap. I'm like, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that I know because I'm in this industry and I'm old enough to know that the the handlers mm-hmm. of him mm-hmm. on all levels are understanding of things that they're using and exploiting, hence me getting some of my entry points into some of my marketing education, this trauma to market something without the full context of what's going on. Yeah. You know, like they're not even understanding. Some of the the layers of how and what and why. So it's like it's deeper than this person being murdered. As we say, it's already a bucket of reasons in our mind of why somebody can get murdered. And when we think in Chicago, just due to what's labeled as gang culture. Yeah. Which, I mean, kind of when you look at what's happening in Ukraine and Russia right now, <laughs> that's that same, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but, you know, but hey, I'm, I'm just, I'm just being 100 with you so that, is. you know, and, and as they look at us, like we barbarians and savages, you know what I'm saying? It's the same premise. Because our society, through the lens to me, since Western rule has gone on, has justified violence. Yeah. And these are and we're black bodies in this experience of this Western thought process is yeah. justifying what violence is. And as it comes out and exploits, it's just different. And so so we're we're having toxic shock in this American experience. Yeah. As black people, but not just America, because it's the, the 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 this same colonial concept of even in some places. If we go back to our own motherland of Africa, we may have that same toxic shock because this conditioning that's deep within us yeah. exists. So so as I'm writing this, and it goes like I say, thousands of people watched that. I, I mean, yeah. looked at it. I mean, Facebook stripped down notes, so I can't even yeah, find it anymore. But it was a deep take on like they're not even understanding but they have marketing degrees from Syracuse and communications degrees and and these people are looking and pointing and prying you know, I think yeah. I think uh shout out to for Dame Dash saying culture vulture. And I guess that became something more marketed to to point at and, and call what you just said. Yeah. But it's deeper than that, because if you don't have a brother like me or you to even put this in the proper framework, yeah. they would not even understand yeah. what they're doing. Hence, they're easily exploited. Yes, because yes. they're in their mind. It's like, yeah, I can get more popping. I'm gonna get more views. I'm gonna sell more whatever yeah let's do it and they're not even understanding what they're doing to feed into narratives that will justify those actions and also lock up more of us yeah. Make us look more like animals. Make make me and you with our skill sets and our talents never even be valued yeah. because it's being justified. So this is the duality that somebody like me and you grew up in, where it's like we love hip hop because that's our language, yeah. but at the same time, we also now are old enough to understand. Or I'm I'm speaking for you, but I'm no, old enough should, to also understand the limitations and what that pr- does. So yeah. as Tupac said, and um, you know, it's like I'm not talking. To them, yeah, I'm talking to us. But the reality is, the minute you speak it, it's going to them. They're gonna react to it. They're gonna respond to it. You know, and that, you know that's
1: that's. I was I was just as you was thinking. I was thinking about that, right? Because these guys are from Chicago. Uh, they're from a they're from a they grew up poor. They weren't they weren't millionaires growing up. No. You know, what I'm saying even though was, you know they was like much of us, and they they because of their talent, they were able to bring millions of dollars into their community. Like they like millions and millions of dollars, and it's a date, but it's a dangerous thing when a child. And no, this this ain't shade. I'm saying a young person, a person who doesn't have the experience of even knowing what they're up against. I remember, so I mentioned me having guardianship of my two younger cousins. I got guardianship of them when I was a teenager because this is what I believed. I said this is gonna happen. I'm a I'm a go. I'm a graduate. I'm going to get a job and we're going to live happily after after. I was not aware of what world was waiting on me when I left my mama's house. A lot of these people who are getting access to capital without any knowledge of what they're up
0: against and giving it back to even when they give it back to the hood is great death. It's producing death. Rest in peace. I mean, the brother here, Dex Osama. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. like uh, yeah. Dex Osama, uh, you know, as we know, Dexter Osama, uh, you know, uh, was in, in the in in the way he was murdered uh, and what it was and people looking at the tape. It's, it's like this is. This is. uh, uh, uh So. It's it's heavy I mean And not just that I mean so much Even here You know what I'm saying We think about Blade You know what I'm saying We think about Proof we think about wipeout. We think about like so much of this and, 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 and what exists, because like what you say when you onboard to this capital and your whole frame of reference is is this neighborhood that may be a footprint where you mm-hmm. feel comfort in this area. With but this even foundation. though you're comfort comfortable here yeah. due to your agency changing, people can't even look at you the same. Because now they're not looking at you as you. They're looking at you as oh, as sure. opportunity. Yeah. They're looking at you as a gateway to success because, like we say, we've been incepted to think that these things are what will make us uh, have a higher quality of life and more fulfilled. Yeah. Does money – I can't say this like I ain't gonna hold you up as a business person and everything. Money does provide you the opportunity of having more uh, of having more decisions on the table of what mm. you can make. But mm. just because there's more decisions on the table, don't even mean that those decisions are supposed to be made. Yeah. yeah. In reality, this the the idea of the scarcity and with less, it, it you you almost have more value. And I'm going to leave, leave you with this concept, like my dad said. My dad moved here from Cincinnati, and one of the first things oh, they, they tried to push on him was, you know, get a family, get everything going.
1: Yeah.
0: When, he, when he had a job with General Motors at, at working, in, uh, working in white collar. Mm. And some of the older black guys said, man, don't do all that because you get a job, you get going, that's going to shackle you to the decisions you don't, that you don't really want to make. Yeah. You shackle a person's freedom. Because it's so much more freedom and autonomy you have with less, the minimalist yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. But it's hard to even offer the whole thought process of like you're functioning in a higher plane through minimalism to a person that feels as though because everything that we're conditioned is feel like we ain't never had nothing. Yeah, what you talking so about? So it's hard <laughs> to tell a person like, hey man, you got way more freedom. Yeah. It's people. It's so many people in our communities like like COVID impacted not our hoods because it's like. It was so, you know, like I saw some dudes like like I want to say like one month into COVID, they was all passing a blunt to each other. and They had their masks down on their chin. I was like, this is some of the funniest things yeah. ever. I'm like, yeah. this is classic Detroit. But the way we function, because we ain't had nothing, it don't matter. We yeah. ain't never have nothing to lose something. So you talking about I can't go to work. I ain't had a job in in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So my neighborhood was looking like it looked yeah. before COVID. Yeah. The only people that was calling me in crisis mode. One the people that, I guess, quote unquote, had something to lose. Yeah, My hood was looking like, I'm for real, bro. It was like, you know what I'm saying? A I'll couple weeks right, into COVID. I
1: was staying on web at the time. I know exactly Okay, what so yeah, yeah, you was, was looking yeah, outside like,
0: was... it's Tuesday. Yeah. The yeah. rest of the world was living in COVID like, oh my God, what will I do? Will life come back together? You know, people grabbing shotguns and going to the dr- drive to the governor's office and stuff. And black people. Was yeah, there. My hood movie. was like. Uh, we always kind of was like this. We ain't never had nothing, we ain't gonna get nothing, so in reality, hence this is the power in having less. They can't take nothing away that they ain't never gave you in the first place,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's real, it's real it's you know it's uh it's all of the, all of that is is I just was thinking about the psychology of mhm. Like having a, a, a poverty mindset. One of my mentors is a, is a brother by the name of Herb Strather he do, He's done a,
0: a, a bunch of stuff.
1: Yeah. So one thing, one thing that he always speaks to is the is the is the poverty mindset that a lot of us approach things approach things from. Where you can give somebody money, but if they still yes. think like a poor person, they're not gonna, they're going to be separated from that. Mm-hmm. And you could have a person who, who may not have a large bank account, but they understand where their happiness comes from. Mm. They understand, you know what I'm saying, and that's
0: even for me. Really, just, it's a it's a resource to be used. It's the same. I mean, the analogy I used to use is like, if if the city of Detroit tomorrow came out and said, "Hey, psh, all our water you can't use," yeah, and I got twenty gallons of water and you got twenty thousand dollars, <laughs> how much how much of that mm-hmm. money are you willing to it's give me for, for this water.
1: water? Yeah,
0: Damn. now a person like me. Mm-hmm. Because of how I'm thinking, but I've had access to more money. I'm gonna yeah. say, hey, give them the 20 G's. Yeah. But if you have more, depending upon where you're at and that scale of scarcity and poverty mindset, you're gonna be thinking, I don't know, man. Water may come back on in like a day or something. I don't want to lose these 20 stacks. So yeah, I don't miss I'm this I'm gonna be like, hey, brother, how much water can I get for a <laughs> hundred? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and 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 that's really the 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 the. The consciousness that we got to think yeah. because the resource of water now has immediately become way more valuable than money.
1: And, and and also the ability, because even when you say the ability to negotiate, some of us are so hungry and so desperate. We're not recognizing that we we don't have to take the first opportunity that comes that, mm. that because you've been waiting for an opportunity so long. Yes. That the first time somebody offer you, you know, anything, anything. anything. You like I gotta tell this my this my this my chance. You only get one shot. Yeah, <laughs> without understanding that you create your you create your opportunity. So mm-hmm. if you until you learn to create it, you, it won't be there. And once you learn to create it, well, if you create it once, you can create it again. And that's you know that's that's and again that speaks to that personal wealth that you have as an individual. Your ability to you know wherever whatever city you put me in, I'm gonna be able to find my, find my people in that city. I'm going to a find a black bookstore. I'm going to find I'm a, where they sell where they sell fruit containers at. I'm going to find a way to sell the wholesale fruit. I'm going to get the fruit containers. And until I figure out what I'm doing, I know I can go in these barbershops and salon and sell this fruit because that's a foundation I built for myself. That's a skill set I have. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's different in mental health. I don't think it's different in, in, you know, any of these areas where we we experience a lot of deficit. I think it's, you know, that knowledge of self is the most important knowledge because it's like, uh, you know, if you if you know you're going to be all right, you know you're going to be all right. What's, wow. what's the saying? But like, we have to decide whether we live in a hostile or a friendly world. But whichever one we decide is true. You know what I'm saying? If, mm. if you believe that everything's going to be all right, everything's going to be all right. And if you really believe everything's not going to be all right, you're going to find something to not be all right. You, you're going to find a way to fumble it away. And if you believe you're destined for it, you know, yeah. you're going to move
0: that way. You're going to move that way. Because I've been conditioned through college, and uh, I'm sure this was taken from someplace else. Plato's cave theory. Yeah. I'm sure Plato's cave theory came from some comedic science. Say this. Say the this. thought process is like Plato's cave theory. If you live in a cave, everything's going to be a shadow. Uh, you turn around, outside the cave, you see sunlight. Yeah. But if you turn back around the other way, sunlight facing you, you see nothing but the shadow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's what you look at. When you change the things you look at, the things you look at change. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's you know, this it's... That's another reason I'm excited about the event because there's going to be a lot of people who have been through this journey. When you get to peace, when you get to when you get through pain to get to peace, because in a lot of cases we have to, especially if we're going to be the ones who show other people how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, you were talking to me earlier about you know somebody coming on doing a podcast. You like you already you already, but you've already set all of this up, so now they just got to come and really sit in the chair.
0: And and and, <laughs> and it's best when they're ready. And yeah, when they ready. The resource
1: exists. Yeah. But it, but, it, but had you never said, hmm, where am I going to get this phone from? Where am I going to get, I got to put this, I got to, I'm a. this was a journey that you went on and oh, now yeah. you're utilizing that knowledge to yeah. serve others. You know, that's part of the purpose of it. We was, <laughs> a lot of us have had to dig ourselves out of dark, dark places, but that qualifies us to be able to turn, I, I, ideally that qualifies us to be able to turn and show somebody, well, how did you, how did you get her? How'd you get through that? You know what I mean? Um, so I, you know. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for it because, like I said, this is a this is a this is an effort being born out of. You know, I don't know what I don't know what we're gonna do about, about Cuz. I don't know what we're gonna do about Cuz, but mm-hmm. we got to do something. I gotta. What I do know is I'm gonna do something. I'm not gonna sit here and yeah, wait yeah. for the news. I'm not gonna sit here mm-hmm. and just wonder where he at. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna sit here. And I'm gonna be like, hey, Well, I'm gonna. Who do I know? Who I know that's yeah. doing this? Who got a podcast that can I can get on and I can let the people know? Maybe everybody listen to Kyrie. Let me call Kyrie. You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 you know what they say. Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. It is. So
0: give the information again, and we're gonna wrap.
1: So we're gonna be we're gonna be on April 24th from noon to 4 p.m. We're going to be at Avalon Village. They've completed the homework house, so we're gonna be in the homework house, and we're gonna be in the park. And we're going to have a great time. We're going to have workshops. We're going to have vendors. We're going to have counselors on site. If you need to talk to somebody, you can come out that day and talk to somebody. Most importantly, we're doing—we're dealing with crisis. We're helping you get through this system, this maze of eight hundred numbers and websites that you can't really get and connect your family to resources. We're going to have people from those organizations there on site to be accountable. And tell us how do we get through y'all system. And then on the other end of it, we're going to have those healers. We're going—we're going to have. You know, people that practice this as a lifestyle, we're going to have a panel with some amazing speakers. But most importantly, we're going to have Detroit there. We're going to have Detroit. This is going to be there. So those, not only the healers, but those who need healing, those who need to come and see a group of beautiful black people, come that day. It's free. We're going to have child care. You can register for child care. Uh, my name is Prostell Thomas. You can add me on Facebook or you can text me, 313-926-7409. Uh, hopefully we post the information with uh, GoFundMe. And I want to I want to pre- thank you, brother, for uh, thank Give me the time and the space to do this because this is a this is a big deal to me and my family. But I know we're not the only ones. So respect. Yes, sir. Respect, brother. Peace. Yeah.
0: Detroit is different. Is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is different. A home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.